Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the third message in our series called, Did Jesus Really Say That? Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Come on. I'm so glad uh, that you guys could be here today. Uh, we're continuing a series called, Did Jesus Really Say That? Uh, can you just make a little bit of noise if you've heard any part uh, of this series? Man, uh, I'll explain this series more in a second, but I really want to encourage you, if you missed it, um, I think this, this series is different than anything that we've done uh, before. So I want to encourage you. Um, I know y'all watch shows on Netflix and you binge them, and, and some of you guys are like six seasons behind, but then all of a sudden I'll talk to you three weeks later and you're done the show. Um, so I want to encourage you. Uh, if you've missed this series, go online, check it out, and you can see a whole array of messages. I think they're life-changing. Uh, everyone watching online, we love you. We're so glad you could be here. Uh, Luke chapter 12, we're picking up exactly uh, where we left off last week. And if you missed last week, it's okay. Today will make sense. Um, but again, Jesus is in front of a crowd. And verse 13 says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man... Bro, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And so the man thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barn and build a bigger one. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. I want to call our message this morning, uh, it's just one word, um, I want to call our message Uncommon, Uncommon. Uh, can we clap our hands for the worship team? You guys can be seated. Thank you so much uh, for being here. Uh, again, if, if you missed it, uh, you don't know, my name's Harrison, just love you guys, happy uh, almost summertime, uh, so pumped. Um, I just want to ask you guys a question, um, and, and like parents, teachers, you guys have probably experienced this. Uh, but truth is, we've all done this at some point in our lives as well. But do you guys um, remember or have experienced uh, when you hear something and you pretend not to hear it? Like, you know exactly what was said, but you didn't really like what was said, so you pretend not to hear it. <laughs> Anyone ever experienced that? Like, parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like, a lot of times with my girls, like, um, I'll say something, and sometimes they'll be like, no. But other times, uh, they'll, they'll just literally pretend not to hear what I'm saying. Right, like I'll be like, "Hey, come give me a hug," and uh, instead of saying no, instead of saying yes, they, they literally just like look away uh, in in a different direction. Anyone? And, and we can be honest. Do you guys remember doing that in your life as well? At some point, parents are like, "Clean your room, <laughs> go to school, whatever it is," and uh, you just pretended not to hear. So, uh, what I wanted to do today, if you guys. Uh, again, have been with us. We're in a series called, Did Jesus Really Say That? And uh, 
if you haven't been here, this series, I think, has been different um, than a lot of the other stuff that we've done. Because what we've been trying to do is we've been trying to discover who the real Jesus is. Uh, what we said is a lot of us, we kind of have like a hippie version of Jesus. Um, like he lives in Vancouver, smokes weed, just says love. Uh, and so what we've done in the series is we've been trying to, to look at some of the hardest teachings. In one sense, you could say um, challenging, controversial, uh, just things that really make us say, wow, did Jesus actually say that? And the purpose of this series is we are trying to unlock the real Jesus, because I believe the real Jesus is life-changing. Um, now, today's uh, passage of Scripture um, it's a little bit different than what we've done the last couple of weeks, um, because I wouldn't say it's necessarily like shocking. There's nothing shocking in it, uh, nothing too crazy. Uh, but this story, although maybe not shocking, I believe it's quite challenging. And the reason I think this story is challenging is because what is going to happen um, by the end of this message is we're going to have a choice to make. And the choice is going to be, are we going to respond to the words of Jesus, or are we going to kind of be like that little kid that just pretends not to hear and then walks away? And the reason I think this message is going to be challenging is because this message is going to go against, I believe, the very fabric of most of our DNAs. Because whether we know it or not, I think every single one of us is inclined, instead of looking outwards first, to look inwards. If we can be honest, I would say every single one of us is inclined to selfishness in some way. Now, this message is all about generosity. And so what we're going to see is that this is going to push back against the way in which many of us think. And what I would say, it's going to push back in a way in which I believe that culture pushes us. If you guys have been with us in this series, you'll know that many times... Uh, Jesus, I say all times, Jesus pushes back against culture. And so today, it's going to be a pushback against culture. It's also going to push back again against our natural inclinations. And so if you came to church today um, and you weren't ready to be challenged, I hope you're ready now because uh, Jesus is about to challenge us the same way he's challenged us this whole series. So uh, we're going to pick it up uh, in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Uh, as soon as you guys let me know, you're ready. Are you guys ready to go? Come on. Church online, you guys can let me know if you are ready uh, as well. So Luke 12, 13, it says this. Again, context, Jesus speaking to a crowd. If you missed last week, uh, Jesus did this whole thing about who do you fear, man or God. Go check it out. It's online. Uh, picking up verse 13, someone in the crowd now says to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, Jesus, at this point, is this figure that has healed people. He's delivered people from things. He's done miraculous things, hence this crowd that's following him. And so, in one sense, it kind of seems random that some dude in the crowd just all of a sudden speaks up and he shouts out, Hey, Jesus, my brother has, some, me and my bro got some issues. Can you help us? Figure? It seems random, right? Like of all of the things that someone in the crowd could do, why are they asking, uh, why is he asking Jesus to help him with his family affair? Now, what you need to understand uh, is that in this time, uh, this was actually a somewhat common thing to do. What, what Jewish people would do if they had um, a financial dispute, oftentimes they would actually go to the rabbi or they would go to the religious leaders in order to settle the disputes. 
And so this person clearly sees Jesus in the same light that he sees other religious leaders, other rabbis. And he's saying, you know what, me and my brother, we got this, this inheritance thing. Maybe Jesus can help me out. Now, what you need to understand about the inheritance and how it worked, I'll explain it very briefly, is that the oldest brother, and any oldest brothers in the, in the house? Just me, Grant, a few people, Josh. Um, when, when the father would die, I'm not saying die, um, the oldest brother would get a double portion of the inheritance. And, and so um, what would happen, though, is that the oldest brother was then responsible uh, to divvy the rest of his father's estate among his siblings, and so in this story, basically what's happening is the older brother has yet to divide the inheritance with the younger brother. Everyone following? And so again, this was actually kind of a common thing to go to a religious leader, to go to a respected person. But one thing that we have seen in this series is that although Jesus teaches, Jesus is far more than a teacher. And although this was a common question, when you ask common things to the Son of God, you're going to get uncommon responses. And so this person is thinking to himself that Jesus will somehow fix this dispute. What Jesus does to a common question is he gives a very uncommon response. Luke chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? So again, a, co a completely uncommon response. But, but this is so important because I want us to understand this. This is really important. The way in which God views human affairs is very different than how humans view human affairs. Is everyone following? Because we as people, we view things one way. And so most likely, rabbis, religious leaders, they would view things in the way that humans would view things. Jesus was more than a human. He was God in the flesh. If you guys have been with us this series, we've kind of tried to make that clear. And so what happens is that Jesus gives a very different response. He doesn't give an earthly response. He gives a heavenly response. Why? Because he's God. And so this is important because the truth is the way that Jesus speaks, and it's not just here, we've seen it all series, is that the response that Jesus gives will always differ from the response that people would give. Jesus and culture are often marked in two different directions. And so what that means with our lives is oftentimes we have two ways to live. Do we follow people's standards or do we follow Jesus' standards? And what happens and what you'll see is that Jesus often has this way of raising the bar. So he says, who appointed me judge, verse 15. Then he said to them, watch out. Flips up all of a sudden. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, here's the question I want to ask. Why does anyone ever say, watch out? Generally speaking, it's because you don't see something, right? Like how many guys, like, like my, Christy, my wife, like when we drive sometimes, she does this thing and it really annoys me. Um, like I'll be driving on the highway and I kind of like have this like highway hypnosis going on where you kind of zone out, but like you're still in the zone. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, it appears like you're not there. And so a lot of times, um, out of nowhere, Christy will be like, watch out. And I'll, like, swerve. And then I'll come out of my hypnosis. Um, and there'll be absolutely nothing wrong. And she'll be like, and I'll be like, what's, like, what's up? And she's like, oh, there's something in the distance. Like, you got to pay attention. Anyone ever, anyone ever experienced that? 
And I'm like, I saw it. Like, it's, it's 300 meters ahead. Like, I'm good. And so, but, but you need to understand, right? Generally speaking, the only time someone would say, watch out, is if they perceive that you didn't see something coming. Now, human times, uh, humans, we may say, watch out, when we actually see something coming. If Jesus, who is God, and why I need to bring this point out of who he actually is, if Jesus says, watch out, what's the natural response we should probably have? He might see something I don't actually see. He, he might view things, he might perceive things that I would miss in the natural. And so what he's saying, what does he say? Watch out. He says, be on guard against all kinds of greed. You see, this is the point I believe that Jesus is trying to bring out here. When it comes to greed in our lives, it is often something that we miss. It's often something that we do not even realize is there. For a lot of us, we don't even see greed coming. But here's the thing, and here's the first point I want us to understand. And I believe that this is what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is that we all struggle with greed. We all struggle with greed. Now, now some of us are sitting there thinking to ourselves, well, you know what? Like, I'm not greedy because I give. Like, I, I give financially. I'm not I'm not greedy. How could I be greedy? But look what Jesus says. Jesus says, be on guard against all kinds of greed. He says, be on guard against all kinds of greed. What does that mean? It means there are more than one way to be greedy. You see, for a lot of us, our minds immediately go to money. But the truth is you can be greedy in so many different ways. I can be greedy with my time. I can be greedy with my talents. I can be also greedy with my treasures. There's many different ways in which greed can creep up on us. And so what's so interesting about this, this man is asking a common question and Jesus gives him a very uncommon response. Why? Because Jesus has this way of going beneath the surface. Jesus has this way of seeing the things that we don't often see because for so many of us, we don't see greed coming. Do you want to know why we don't see greed coming? I'll tell you why. It's because greed, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, you might as well go home. Um, greed, <laughs> the reason we don't see greed is because greed will often hide itself with something that is virtuous. Greed will often mask itself. Let me say it like that. Last week with masks, come on, somebody. Greed will often mask itself with something that is virtuous. So this man, you need to understand, this man when he's there and he's asking this question, chances are no one that was there would have thought he was greedy. Instead, most people would have probably just thought, you know what, that's a man of integrity. He's just trying to get what is deserved, right? It's the brother's job to get him his money. Man, that's a man of integrity. He's just, oh yeah, he's, he's just virtuous. You guys ever experienced that? It's like, well, well, she drove last time, so it's just, it's, 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 it's your turn this time. I'm not, no, I'm, I'm not, it's not, I just, I'm trying to be fair. I'm just trying to be fair. Greed has this way of masking itself with something that is virtuous. I'll tell you guys a better story. I really want to hammer this point home because everything kind of rests on it. Um, Christy and I, we moved uh, last year from Edmonton to St. Albert, um, and uh, end of the story is we now live in St. Albert. This is last year. Uh, and when we first um, moved, or when we first put our house for sale, uh, 
uh, we, we, we put it in around June. I think June our house was for sale. And our house was up on the market for about two months. And if you guys know anything about real estate, like the longer your house is up on the market, the more your realtor kind of tells you, hey, like, might not be looking so good. And so kind of like the first three weeks is kind of like your hot zone. After that, like you got to start praying, fasting, uh, all that, that good stuff. And um, our, heart, our house wasn't selling. Now, anyone that's ever moved will know that uh, when it comes to moving, there's always costs associated with moving, right? There's always costs, not just the house, it's all the other stuff. And so um, my house, mind you, had not sold. But for the next, like, two months, all I could begin to think about uh, was all the money I needed to save. Because, like, man, I'm going to need to buy some couches. Uh, there could be, like, moving costs, like, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, I began to have this mindset of frugalness. Like, I need to be frugal. Now, here's the ironic part of the story. I had just read a book um, called The Double Blessing. And in this book, it really challenged us not to just give in obedience, but to give um, spontaneous. Like, if God calls you to give, give. And I think I even preached a message where I said, man, I want to give more spontaneously. I want to be more generous. But then I put my house up for sale, and all of a sudden, like, I had to save every penny because there was costs coming. But the thing was this. I didn't see greed. Why? Because I told myself, I'm just saving. It's a saving season. I'm actually being really smart. I'm actually being, this is, this is actually the best thing that I could ever do. I'm actually just being wise. And so what happened is I didn't see my own greed. Why? Because I masked it with something that was virtuous. Wisdom. Saving. <laughs> planning. And all of those things are good. And this is the hard part about greed and why I believe that Jesus says watch out is because we often don't see it coming. Hold on to this story. I'm not done. Now, the reason this is important is because what Jesus says in his words push back against the very essence of culture. And I believe like never before we live in a me society. Do you know what a me society is? It means that I am the most important thing. I am the most important person. My time is gold. And so what happens is we live in this society that says, think about yourself first and foremost. And what happens oftentimes, again, is that we mask the selfishness, we mask the greediness with something that is virtuous. Do you guys want an example? Well, you just need to rest. You work so, serve? No, 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 you work so hard. You need some rest. You need to take a time off. Here's one thing I hear all the time. Don't let anyone take your time unless you give it to them because you need to think about yourself first. And it can appear so virtuous again, like I'm being wise. I'm being, I'm being careful, but the truth is many times it's actually these things that are virtuous that is masking our greed. And the truth is this. When it comes to church, and I hope you guys, it's, it's kind of silent in here, so I hope you guys are really enjoying this message. Um, when it comes to church, this happens all the time. And it's like, Pastor, you don't understand, man. Like, I work all week, and um, I need to rest. Uh, or I need to, I need to spend time with my family, and so I can't come to church. I can't serve at church, so on and so forth. But here's the thing. And again, again, it's not just, there's many things. I think one of the biggest things that we're greedy with is our talent. You see, I have this belief that God has given each and every one of us something. 
No matter who you are, God has given you something. And I happen to live with a biblical worldview, and the Bible tells me that God has actually given you something, not just for yourself, but God has actually given you something to build the church. Be it a voice of an angel, or maybe you're amazing with finances, or, or maybe you're just so creative and you just have so many ideas. Maybe you have this way of seeing things where people can't see it but you. Or maybe you have this way where you work with your hands and you can build things. And I just wish I was you. Um, but whatever it is, what happens is the world that we live in says, whatever you have, use it to build your kingdom. Right? What does it say? Find a job that you're passionate about. Find, find a job that you're good at. And all that stuff is true and it's good, but I just have this belief. The main reason God has given you whatever he has given you is not to build your kingdom, it's to build his kingdom. It's to build the body. If you don't believe it, 1 Corinthians 12 says this. It says, now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a member of it. So what Jesus is saying, what Paul is saying, speaking about the church, he's saying every single one of you has something. And he uses the metaphor of a body. Why? Because all of us are a different part. None of us are the head because Jesus is the head. But all of us have a function. And the truth is, if you're a finger, you still have a function. If you're a toe, you still have function. You don't believe it, let me cut your finger off. You guys ever met someone with only four toes? They'll tell you it actually affects the way you walk. Because we see things as insignificant, small. We see our lives, we see our gifts as insignificant or small. But what Jesus is saying is that we have something. And I'll talk about it in a second. You're not that important because the body will adjust. So no one needs you, but we're all better together. And so what happens is, again, instead of stepping into calling, stepping into purpose, we mask stuff with, with virtues. And again, because virtues are good, and there's nothing wrong with rest, nothing wrong with, with all, all the stuff that I said, the question we have to ask is, how do I know if I'm being greedy? Because Jesus says, watch out. Be on guard. So, so, so pastor, how do I know? Well, here's the thing. First thing, really easy. If you don't think you struggle with greed, I guarantee you you're a greedy person. That's just, that's just fact. Because all of us have greed at some level. It's going to look different for all of us but it's in there in some place. And so the question more so is how do I find it? And I believe the best way to find it is to ask God, it is to pray. I love Psalm 139. This is a prayer that all of us can pray. For every single time you think you need a me day, and, and, and whether you're saying, God, is this, is this really rest or is this selfishness? Here's a, and again, nothing wrong with me days. You can take them sometimes. But here's a prayer to be able to distinguish. Is this for me? Or is this for something else? Psalm 139, verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me from the path of everlasting. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. It's, it's a really simple prayer. Anytime I'm confused, anytime I don't know, is this from me? Or, or, or is, is, am I being selfish or is God calling me to something? God, I need wisdom. Just pray this prayer. Say, search me, O Lord. Know my heart. And the thing is this. We don't follow our heart by ourselves. The Bible says the heart is, is wicked and deceitful. It means I lie to myself all the time. And so I'm not a good barometer for truth. I'm just going to think about it. No, no, pray. 
Ask Jesus. He says, search me, O God. Know my heart. And, and here's a good one. Know my anxious thoughts. Where does my anxiety come from? Is my anxiety because I'm overworked or is my anxiety because I'm living life with no purpose? Search me, God. Know my heart. Now, the best solution is this. If I find out, man, it's greed. It's greed that's gripping my heart. It's this attitude of never having enough that has my heart. What do I do? Jesus says, watch out, Luke 12, 15, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So Jesus here actually gives us the solution. Do you want to know the solution to greed? A few people? The antidote to greed is to give. The solution to greediness is to give. Can I tell you something? When you feel like your life has no margin, when you feel like you are in a cycle that never ends, it goes over and over and over again, and I have absolutely no time, do you know what you need to do? You need to give. You need to serve. And it has this way of actually reorientating your life around something that is not directed at you. For far too many of us, we live in this cycle of never enough. If you're caught in the cycle of never enough, where no matter how much of a raise you get, no matter what your job looks like, no matter what it is, you still have this constant feeling, this constant anxiety, like you don't have enough. If you're caught in the cycle, the absolute best way to break the cycle is to give. Every single time. Can we go back to my house story? You guys remember it? So again, I wanted to be more generous, all that good stuff, but then greed coming in. Um, so one day, I think it was around last August, I got an email. Um, and, and it was an email just for um, someone that was in need, that needed some financial help. And um, it tugged my heart. And the reason it tugged my heart well, was not because I wanted to do something, but I had this thing inside me that said, man, I wish I could help that person out. I wish I could help that person out. And then the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and I really think, again, he was just preaching a sermon I'd already preached. And he said, weren't you the one that said you wanted to be more generous? Weren't you the one that said you wanted to give? And I said, yeah, God, but I'm in a saving season. I got, I got stuff coming up. And I just felt it so heavy in my heart. He just said, give to this person. And so naturally what I did is I went to Christy hoping she would say no. So I went to Christy, I told the whole story, and she said, yeah, we can do it. Um, and, and I'll never forget, we did it. We sent a, sent a knee transfer, and I just felt like this weight lifted off me. What was that weight? It was the grip of greed that was around my house. Now, the thing is this. I wish that was a one-time event. And I was like, I've never been greedy since. But the truth is, and the reason I believe, if you guys were here last week, Jesus says, be on guard against the, he says, be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. Like literally the exact same language, he says, be on guard. But with greed, he says, watch out, be on guard. He doubles down. He says it twice. Why? Because he knows how greed works. It comes back again and again and again. And so I wish after that moment I was Mr. Generosity, not so much. And so what happens is that it's not a one-time thing. It means I have to constantly and continually fight against greed. Can I give you two practices to help you out? Number one is called tithe. What is a tithe? 
A tithe is a biblical, a biblical principle where I give a percentage of my income every single time I make income. And so what that means is when the money hits my account before I give it to that bill, before I give it to that car payment, whatever it may be, I give a percentage to the Lord. Every single time. And, and, and you need to understand, I used to, I used to, I've always done um, 10%. But what I used to do is like I would miss a payment for like six, seven, eight months. <laughs> then I'd like backtrack and be like, hey, what's 10? I got to figure this thing out. And then one time, um, one of my, 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 my pastor, our elder, Pastor Ryan, um, he, he said to me, he said, listen, um, that's, not, that's not tithing. He said, it's the first and the best. What you're given is the last and the leftovers. And so he says, every single time you get, he says, every single time you get, he says, give it immediately. And so from that moment on, I started to give immediately. And again, it just helps to remove the grip that greed has on our hearts. Second thing is this, serve. Listen, I have so many people that say, Harrison, like, I just, I just, I want to serve. Do you have any events that, like, we can serve at? And I say, listen, listen, we don't do it that way. Join our team. Go through growth track. You want to know why we do it that way? Because I don't want people to serve sporadically. I want us to serve consistently because we need it. Because otherwise, greed will come in and it will begin to rip and tear at our heart. And so it's practical things that we can put into place. And so I want to encourage you every single time you pray that prayer and say, search me, God. If God says you got some greed there, you know what you do. It's time to give. It's time to serve. It's time to be less of me and more of others. Can I, can I finish my, my, my house story real quick? I just want to give glory to Jesus. Um, we sent that money. Again, our house had been on the sale for two months, on the market for like two months. Um, literally two hours later, um, our realtor called us, and we had an offer on our house. Um, and our house eventually sold to that person. Now, the reason I believe it worked out that way is because I think that God knew if I was going on the path that I was going, greed would have just continued to grip my heart. But it wasn't until I let go that I was able to break the cycle and the house sold, so I give the glory to Jesus. But here's the thing. I want us to understand this. If we do not intentionally break the cycle of greed, something will happen. Can I tell you? Well, let, 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 let's, Jesus will tell us. Luke 12, 16, he says, again, watch out. Then he tells a parable. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And so he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build a bigger one. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. So this, Andy Stanley, um, if you guys don't know Andy Stanley, look him up. He's an amazing teacher, preacher. Um, he calls this the bigger barn syndrome. You all know what the bigger barn syndrome is? It's the more stuff I have, the more room I need to store in. And so what happens is this man, he has an abundant harvest. It was his best year ever. And so he thought to himself, man, I, I must need a bigger barn. And so he builds a bigger barn. Why? Because there is something inside of us that has this constant drive for more. Now, now here's the thing. I, I told you that Jesus is, is, is God. If you don't believe it, that's fine. 
Um, I just happen to believe that scriptures are inspired, and I just happen to believe that Jesus um, is more than just a person. I believe that Jesus is God, and what that means is Jesus has a way to speak prophetically. To speak prophetically means he can see more than what's just right in front of him. So Jesus said these words 2,000 years ago. We can agree or disagree whether he's a man or whether he's God, but if he's a man, then this is very coincidental. But if it's God, then he just knows the condition of the human heart. You see, 2,000 years ago, people would have no clue what life would look like 2,000 years later. Do you want to know what life looks like 2,000 years after Jesus said these words and why I believe they're prophetic and why I believe they're inspired? Let me share something with you. This is from the United States. Again, U.S. always has better statistics than Canada. But in the United States, there are 2.3 billion square feet of self-storage space. The Self-Storage Association notes that it is now physically possible that every American could stand at the same time under the total canopy of self-storage units. Look at this one. 50% of renters are now simply storing what won't fit in their homes, even though the average size of the American home has almost doubled in the previous 50 years to 2,300 square feet. I once heard it said that there are so many countries, third world countries, that we could um, really clothe or or cover with, um, furnish is the word, Um, you could furnish third world country homes uh, with all the stuff in storage in North America, easily. But you see, the thing about the bigger barn syndrome is that it expels a myth, or really it exposes a myth that so many of us believe. The myth that so many of us believe is that when I have it, then I'll give it. Once I have money, then I'll give it. Now, now money's really easy. Let's go time, because that's that's a big one. Once I have more time, then I'll give it. It's just a busy season. Then I'll give. Then I'll serve. Can I tell you something? Um, We're going to be on like Mari Popovich for a second here. Um, COVID-19 came, and uh, for a lot of us, We have more time than ever. We have more free time than ever. For some of us, we had more money than ever because served. But as Mari would say, the results are in and we still didn't serve. We have more time than ever, but we didn't. Because why? The myth is that if if I have it, then I'll give it. But the truth is, if you never give it, you'll always be in a tireless and endless cycle where you do not feel like you have enough. And so you'll chase and you'll chase and you'll say, if I just have a little more free time, if I just have a little more money in my bank account. You see, you need to understand this. The issue is never an amount. And and, and in this story, you need to understand, it's not a bad thing to be blessed financially. It's not. I actually think that if you follow Jesus, I think Jesus wants you to have an amazing life. The problem in this story is not that he had a lot of stuff. The problem was this, and I'll show it to you. Luke 12, verse 17. It says, he thought to himself, what shall I do? He thought to himself, what shall I do? Here's the problem. Far too many of us never bring God into the equation. When we get a little bit more, when we have a little bit more, we might thank God, 
Thank you, Jesus. But how many of us actually bring God into the equation with our talents, with our treasures, with our time? How many of us have ever got a randomly expected or, or, or an unexpected day off and ever said, God, what do you want me to do today? You see, here's the question that he should have asked. He said, he thought to himself, the question he should have said is, how can I partner in what God is doing? How can I partner in what God is doing? Now, you need to understand something. And the reason I worded this is very, very specific. Um, At the very end of the day, God does not need you. You need to understand something. If God needed you, he ceases to be God. If the God of the universe needs you, one thing Ryan, Pastor Ryan, always speaks into me. um, He says, Harrison, you need to understand, um, God doesn't need you. So so don't think you're important. Don't think you're irreplaceable. (laughs) If you go away, he'll find someone else. Right? It's a body, but the body will learn to adjust. And so we're not that important. And so for a lot of us, it's not an attitude of, God, where do you need me, God? Is God, how can I partner in what you're already doing? Can I tell you something? God is already on the move in this place. God is already working at your workplace. God is already working in your neighborhoods. I believe that God is doing something in St. Albert. I believe that we're about to see a season of people coming to faith that have left faith, that God's working. And so the question is not, God, do you need me? It's, God, how can I partner with what you're already doing? Because the truth is this, and this is how we need to understand generosity. This is how we need to understand giving. Everything that we do is only because of the grace of Jesus. And it's actually by the grace of God that we can even participate. You think you're an amazing guitar player? It's by the grace of God you still have your fingers. You think you have an amazing preaching voice? It's by the grace of God that my voice box doesn't go away. Every single thing that we have is by the grace of God. And so when I understand that, what that means is I want to have a posture, not of of me, but a posture of how can I serve the God that's given me everything? You see, for so many of us, what happens is we kind of just want to do this thing where we just give a little bit. Or when it's convenient with me, or for a lot of us, we just get sucked into into today's worries. Well, Harrison, there's just so much going on. I got work and kids and school and soccer, and maybe once my kids are in junior high, maybe once my kids are in high school, oh my gosh, I got grandkids now, maybe once my grandkids are in elementary, maybe once work gets a little bit. Luke 12, 20, look at this. God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. There's a saying um, we say in growth track, uh, and it's um, when it comes to generosity, what generosity is, it's an opportunity to invest in eternity, to invest in eternity. The question that God asked, he said, if you lose everything today, If your life was taken from you, what would your legacy be? What would you leave behind? If everything ended today, what would you leave behind? 
You see, for, for so many of us, we're building up kingdoms, we're building up empires that will eventually end. But how many of us are building towards, how many of us are living towards something that will far outlast us? It's a legacy question. And I know some of us think, well, I don't think about legacy till I'm 65. No, we think today. Why? Because our life could be taken at any moment. And we'll be taken an account. What happened? What did, what did you leave behind? Can we put the keys on in the back? There we go. If everything ended today, what would your legacy be? Now, for a lot of us, again, we have excuses. And it's like, well, listen, I'm, I'm a student. And, like, I just I have to study. I can't do this and I can't do that. And it's amazing. And I, I get that and study hard. But if everything's gone, do you want your legacy really to be that person who's just studious? For a lot of us, like, man, I work a thousand hours a week. And I make money sometimes. And I provide. But one thing I know to be true, at the end of the day, what our family wants from us is not anything they can, that we can give to them. It's just us. That's what they want. That's where legacy is born. For a lot of us, when we look at our schedules, look at our calendars, how many of us have specific and distinct times where we pour into other people? If we go today, how many people will say of your life, there goes my mentor. There goes the person that loved me unconditionally. You see, Jesus is asking a legacy question and he's encouraging us, let's invest in eternity. Billy Graham, the late, great Billy Graham says this. He says, the greatest legacy that one can pass on to one's children's and grandchildren is not money or material things accumulated, accumulated in one's life, but rather it is a legacy of character and of faith. At the end of the day, when an account is taken for our life, the thing that people are going to remember will not be any of the things that so often we are worried about, but it's gonna be about who we are and what we left behind. You see, here's where I want to encourage you today. Jesus says, in verse 21 again, he says, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now again, the reason this affects every single one of us when it comes to greed is right there when Jesus says, be rich towards God. What does it mean to be rich when we really think about it? For anyone that is rich, we think of outlandish. We think of over the top. A lot of times we think of more than we could even think. How do they even have that much? God said, Jesus says, be that way towards God. Be rich with God. When people look at our lives, I don't want them to say, oh my gosh, that person was so busy. What if they began to say, that person is so busy, I have no clue how they serve so often. I have no clue how they had time to invite people over to their house for dinner. Be rich with God in every single thing. And Jesus actually says, you're a fool not to. Do you wanna know why he says that? Because there is no earthly reward. There is no earthly thing that will ever compare to the blessings that God has for us. There is no greater moment than when someone looks you in the eye and says, I would not be here had it not been for the sacrifice you made for me. Had it not be, 
had it not been that you are rich with your time with me. And so the question I asked off the start is this, are we gonna live common? And we can live common, it's, it's easy to live common, look like everyone else. Or are we gonna live in an uncommon way? Where people look at us and it doesn't even make sense, but God. And so we have the opportunity where we can respond to Jesus or we came back a little kid who hears it but kind of pretends not to hear because it's hard. But like any parent that ever asks anything, the only reason you ask of your children is because you know what is best for them. It is because you believe that if they listen to your voice, that still small voice that you will do and he will do, God will do more than we could ever dream, think, or imagine. And the truth is when we give, we do not lose, we actually gain. For it is in dying to ourselves that we actually receive what God really wants for us. Can we stand for a second, church? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I wanna just pray. And we're praying this prayer all together. Um, and it's, it's from earlier on from Psalm 139. I want this to be our prayer. If you guys could just open your hands in a posture to just receive. God, you know every single one of our hearts, Jesus. And I pray right now that whatever the area is, whatever the thing is, that we need to give more, that we need to let go of, whatever it is, God, that you speak to us. God, we pray, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Speak to our spirits, Jesus. I pray, God, that we can live in abundance. I pray that we can live in overflow. I thank you that on the cross, you took 100% of our sin, 100% of our shame, God. So I pray that we can be rich back to you in the way that you've already given us so, so much. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God a round of applause? Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.